Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome back again. This is season two, a continuation of our mission still to help creatives, self-taught creatives in particular, find their path in careers in art and design. And and we want to make sure that our content is as specific as it can be, as helpful as it can be. In this season in particular, we're focusing a lot on everyday problems, on solving those problems, on reaching out and building the community up. We've got a little tribe building, become a much bigger tribe than when we first started. And I want to thank you for that. This week, we have Shu Bertrand here. It's our special guest. She's amazing. Yeah, I think you'll love the conversation. We talk about balancing multiple brands. She's got experience with IDEO, Nike. She recently started her own brand, Apply. I think you'll love what she has to say. And I think it'll be really applicable for everyone out there who has trouble with their personal brand versus their professional brand versus brand they want to build. Tune in. I grew up probably picking up the paintbrush and the pen or the pencil and didn't read as much. And I think that led me to always strive to a place of visual communication. But I did write stories from my drawings. So I would have to say that no book from childhood really um, sticks in mind. But today, I'm constantly trying to learn and improve myself, who I am, how to be more empathetic with others. Um, that really drives my creativity. And so I'm currently reading uh, this book called The Five Personalities uh, Pattern. And it's a guide to understanding yourself and others and developing emotional maturity by Stephen Kessler. Hmm. So with that, it's funny that I'm kind of on that same path. Uh, and it seems like this, I think I was talking to Brett actually about this on a past episode where this rise of the self-help and almost people rise of behavioral psychology just in mass market is coming along where I find I'm a Barnes and Noble junkie since childhood I've always been. So I always find more and more mm-hmm. people kind of in that self-help aisle and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I'm wondering what your opinion in, might be on that, just on the benefits of self-help on the benefits of just understanding yourself a little bit more and how that kind of helps you along whatever age you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we're always in this this self-discovery mode from um, adolescence to, um, you know, just today at ongoing as I'm in my mid-40s. And uh, I do see also, as you mentioned, there's just more people trying to understand um, who they are at a core because that's where creativity, you know, comes from, like who your true self is kind of the gut feeling, your intuition, your sixth sense, all those things. And the more you, I guess, um, trust in yourself Mm. and accept who you are, all the faults, all the things that you've experienced in your life actually add texture and authenticity to who you are and your creativity ultimately. And so I'm not trying to necessarily change Mm. my personalities or nor try to understand other people as much as accepting the things that I do discover of myself 
and embracing that and, and loving the things that I normally didn't love about myself. And then also seeing people who maybe I didn't show whether it's a stranger or a loved person for, you know, from life that I start to love all of them completely, all of the pros and cons, the faults and the, the beauties and their talents. So I think it's just building empathy mm-hmm. and acceptance versus trying to change yourself. If yeah. that I makes love that. sense. Cause That's... I think we are who we are and you can't change that. You got to just, Go with it. <laughs> no, absolutely. I've, and that's something I've been meditating on recently. I started a kind of a new practice of uh, call it in, incomplete thoughts. It's a little uh, notepad in my you know, my iPhone. And every time I have just a random thought that I think is a pretty good philosophy for how I like to live my life. In the past, I would always just kind of let it pass and say, like, oh, that was kind of I sound kind of smart and thinking about that. But now I just started writing those things down and allowing them to evolve. So Yesterday, I believe I wrote something down where uh, you spend a lot of time watching kind of life stories, biopics, you know, <laughs> really lifelong hero driven stories. And all of them are success stories as they're portrayed in hindsight, whether it's Steve Jobs, whether it's uh, Zuckerberg, whether it's I mean, these, these are the modern you know, tech heroes, right? And then I wrote Mm -hmm. something after that. I was like, you spend all this time watching all these success stories. The only success story that's not written yet or that's not there is yours. So your challenge is to get to writing. And I just kind of journal on those types of things to remind myself. Generally speaking, I think that it's easy to get wrapped up into all these different stories of, oh, Steve Jobs did it this way or Zuckerberg did it this way and I need to follow that path. And yes, like yeah. success leaves clues, but at the same time, if you're not sure of yourself or you're not sure of who you are, then at the end of the day, you're going to get wrapped up into being damn near a tyrant manager like Steve Jobs is kind of portrayed to be, or you'll get wrapped up into adopting every trait instead of seeing the traits and others that you possess already. So I think that's powerful what you were saying, and I think it's something that it's worth carrying forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we do easily get... Um, in the comparative mindset that can lead us down self-judgment and it's good to get inspiration from success stories of people who, you know, we relate to or not, or just inspire us. But at the same time, I think the true inspiration that has worked for me is real people in my life that I, talk to every day, my girlfriends or my husband or my mentors like Brett, my bosses, colleagues, and my vendors, and the people who are really in your every day are the ones that are in it with you. And that's, that's real. That's real inspiration. And um, mm. if you have, you know, a personal relationship with someone you look up to, uh, that's, that's even greater because those aren't famous. Maybe they are famous, but those are people who are really there to tell you that uh, behind the veil there's there's some truth to to all that because media makes it look glamorous and being a steve jobs or being whoever it might be you know it's it's hard yeah it's a choice that they've made and sometimes it's uh, successful and sometimes it's uh, it's it, everyone has a different measure of success but um yeah and personal growth so i'm glad to hear that everyone's in the mode of self-discovery Right. We are moving in the right direction. 
I'd be I'd be interested to hear your perspective or your process of using social media. How do you use social media? I am someone who loves to share. When Instagram and Facebook launched, I was in my you know early careers, and it was great to be able to see the transition from already being someone who liked to share via photography or just at work, just being more a, sh- a person who likes to be um, in the sharing mode. Social media has just amplified that in every way that you can imagine that someone who you know loves to share. So I very much thrive off of it. Yeah. At the same time, uh, it builds a lot of self-reflection, if you will. Maybe that's why we're reading so many self-help books is because <laughs> there's now a portrait of you that uh, you'd like to share with others via these channels and you have your personal channel or you have your brand uh, like applaud for myself. Mm-hmm. You have a brand channel. They have allowed my personality to expand and it allowed my brand to grow in ways that I would never had uh, been able to. Otherwise it would have been a much slower growth. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate and uh, use it regularly and my brand posts every day. My brand being me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the great thing is that sometimes it is you and sometimes it's, you know, a team of social media experts who are posting for the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have two channels. I have my brand Instagram and we'll just say for Instagram for now. And I have my personal Instagram and, they're day and night. I thrive off of sharing my children and my design geek side and graffiti and food. I mean, there's just no filter. I'm not designing the gallery yeah. for my personal side. And it's very, at the moment, authentic. Uh, and it's really to echo and share with my family who lives in France and my family who lives in Korea and all over the U.S. Personal, the that's the personal side. The company brand side is a whole different mindset. And it keeps me up at night sometimes because it's got to have a lot more um, planning and storytelling. And even though it's authentic, there's just a lot more attention to the craft of it all and um it's a very interesting place to have to split your mind in that way Mm. so i feel very schizophrenic uh about having built personal brand and a (laughs) a brand brand for consumers i think that yeah that's the uh I never like to ask leading questions. I'll do my best not to, but that's the insight I was hoping to get to, or at least uncover that it kind of exists at all levels, right? Because I think, and I want to talk more about your personal story before we get deeper and deeper into this in just a second. But mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. I see from my vantage point and others, you know, my contemporaries and even people older than me are, and I'm 25, so I'm kind of right in that middle point where it's like, all right, I've got a couple people younger than me, people older than me, and people much older than me, kind of in the middle. So I find that people are now coming at this point where they're trying to balance 
their personal brand with what they have to offer to the world. And when those things get conflicted, it's almost, and I, I try to medit again, meditate and kind of journal on this on my own to kind of come to terms with how I feel about it, where simply having the number of followers and the likes and the comments and all this stuff, these metrics around these brands, I'm imagining like a world before, you know, you have social media, you have statistics around your particular offering. So I've found that it allows, it's kind of making people rush into the market more, whether it be because, you know, all right, I got a little bit of skill. Let me just throw it out there, throw it out there, throw it out there. Or I'm not really sure who I am yet, but I need to be on here. I need to be out here. And I'm finding that it's healthy maybe. And my perspective is that it's healthy to kind of take a step back and say, all right, because I think you are blessed, um, whether you know it or not, that you've seen a working life and you've seen college life. You've seen all this stuff before and you've before and after social media. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people, they're in high school right now. And this is, that's kind of my breaking point is I don't know what it's like to be in middle school and have Instagram. Like I can't even imagine. that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm I'm living that nightmare or whatever you want to call it <laughs> with my middle school daughter and uh we're in new territories. I don't even know how to manage that as a parent or even try to pretend to be a, a 12 13 year old with all this yeah. visual content. It's it's pretty it's pretty dangerous but inspiring at the same time because I use it and I know the beauty of it. Mm. But at the same time, at an early age, uh, just so much is so much is available. So we that you normally would have to wait to see. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and we we spent about fifteen, you know, twenty minutes or so talking, talking in depth, and I definitely want to get back to it. But I want people to like know for from from kind of from the horse's mouth, right? Because I'll do my little intro and post production and all that stuff, but. I want people to hear mm-hmm. your bio, if you will. I hate kind of yeah. stilling it down into a bio because I know people are of multi- yeah, yeah. multitudes. But you know, what's the what's the quick, you know, quick or long version of what they should know about you or what you want them to know about you? So yeah, I am a industrial designer uh, since childhood. Wanted to be in the creative mindset all day long, every day. Uh, I think I, I even started at age five where I was taking things apart and I was rebuilding them. I was painting on the walls. I was finding scraps of everything and inventing uh, what I called products at the time and, and just stuck with it and was also uh, in a point in my career in university where I said, you know, go get a real major and a real job. Every bone in my body, every cell in my body rejected that. I stayed in art and I stayed in design. Uh, And sometimes you just feel it in your gut. So I've been following this path of creativity and art, and it landed me with industrial design, Mm. with Art Center. It's probably the best time of my life, being with others who have that kind of geeky, quirky, technical mindset or creative mindset. And from there, I worked uh, in San Francisco. I've worked in Milan in Korea, Seoul, and it's, it's, um, it's taken me to some great places to meet amazing people. I've worked some brands, big and small, 
I worked for Astro Studios at IDEO, Lunar. I've worked for brands like Nike, Samsung, LG, design director of InCase, and worked as a furniture designer doing um, the future of the workplace for Steelcase at mm. Coalesce. And now, accidentally, I've uh, started my own brand. Here I am as an entrepreneur, never expected. But I think <laughs> I now know where I stem from. I just come from that core childhood belief that, hey, I like to kind of noodle around knickknack and I like to make stuff. And now in my mid-40s, I'm doing that. I'm making stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making things and I'm getting inspired by scraps of fabric or, you know, pieces of wood and people uh, around me are um, inspiring me to keep pursuing that. Do you feel like going back to art school or going back to design school would be a waste of time in this day and age from someone who is 20, 27, 28, and they've held a job a little bit for a little bit and they are a hobbyist. What, what skill set, what critique, what class, what's that one or two point value prop? Cause you mentioned art center and it's one of the tip top, right? So when people are evaluating that decision, you know, what kind of go or no go would you give them? I think this is a really important question as at some point you realize you're wanting to make a shift, a creative one, and you might think you need to go to school. And I would advise that you don't. I would say you could just reach out to brands or people that are inspiring you to move in that direction and start to make that connection, do an internship, uh, work on the side, um, get together with friends and prototype and hack. And I think next thing you know, that experience that you craft yourself is far greater than any education you would pay for. Yeah. And, and, and I've had that question a real colleague who was uh at in case and he asked me one day for lunch and he said hey Shu, i i never had an industrial design degree and i feel really insecure because every you guys are all industrial designers and you know i really want to move into that arena and i got accepted to art center and i just said you're already in the company you could do your design right here you could get paid and take your education in-house mm. and just share that with your team. We'll share that with your managers that you want to evolve. And he did. He became a key designer and he ended up leaving the company and starting his own brand within two years. And it's just impressive to see that. And I was just really happy that he didn't have to go into crazy you know second or third education for and pay in debt when he just had it already there he yeah. just needed someone to tell him i think and probably i wouldn't say it came from me i think he talked to a lot of people yeah and that's the key is just to talk to as many people as possible and see who, who says go to school and who says not to and i would bet you that people who are already working would say just get straight to business go to work you're right work yeah Work it out. <laughs> I love that. I love that answer. And it's almost, uh, 
it's funny how a lot of your answers are literally parallel to what I've been thinking about a lot, really, really deeply lately. Just my own path and where I'm looking to take educated guests in general as a brand. And I thought about this whole you know, decision point of like, hmm, uh, back to the trusting yourself thing. And a lot of decisions are kind of made by committee. And I journaled about kind of the overvalue of how collaboration is kind of overvalued at this point. It's like it goes from one extreme to the other extreme and back to the other extreme. And that's how we kind of move from the, and this is a, little, a bit tangential, obviously, but that's how we move from this cubicle workplace all the way to open collaboration. And there is no place to work, work silently at all. And it kind of brings me back to this point of like, uh, to your colleague's story, I'm like, hmm, it sounds like after talking to a, a gazillion people, at the end of the day, there's still that gut feeling of, okay, if you turned off and turned off all the TV, just you, you know, what does your gut tell you to do? Because if you were to write out advice for yourself, chances are that's somewhere in the middle ground of what you've heard. And it's probably the direction you know you should take most um, because you know yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk more about this delineation between personal brand and product brand. Because you know, after I feel like art school from an outside looking in vantage point is kind of a breeding ground, a safe space to find your personal voice in your work, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as as you grow, and I had this discussion with uh, with Bo Euler on one of our last, or actually this episode that came out this past week. By the time this is released, it'll be weeks ago, but. He said the vantage point or the change point in his career was when he moved from, hey, I want to make cool products from for Bo to I want to make cool products and life-changing products for others. And I'd be interested to know how you separate those two as you're building both your product brand and your personal brand, which I imagine one has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of your voice in it, and the other has... Mm -hmm. You have to suppress your voice a little bit to get everyone else's voice heard. So how do you manage those two? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it is a fine line. And it's knowing when to carry your voice for your brand. Because it's essentially, I think, when you build your company, um, your voice matters. People are always looking for the heart of the company, the essence of where it comes from. And it comes from a person. Um, brands are not, in, um, you know, coming from anywhere else but from people. They're created by people. So mm. I think when it stems from your core self and you've been working on what your true purpose is, what you really, really love doing every day and uh, carrying that out to share and become a brand or share with others, I, I think it's important to to work with both before you become a brand, you, you essentially are working to, towards something that you believe in. Right. So it is, it's you, it's personal. It's something you're passionate about. It's, it's everything about you and what you believe in. And you're, when you decide to switch over to maybe this product can be, or maybe this brand can be for the world. And um, I believe is that if you love it and you know, it's, it's authentic to all the things that you believe in, then I'm pretty sure 
there's going to be a lot of people on the planet who's going to love it too. Mm-hmm. So when you are crafting uh, your personal brand, um, it, it transfers over. Now, um, you know, I, I have two thoughts about that. One for when I work for many companies um, and social media and personal brands started to build. When we, when we interviewed, you know, graduates or students for internships, we really looked at their personal brand. And I think you might call it a portfolio or a book, um, or you might call it a channel if you've got a YouTube, but really we automatically go to a, a website or an Instagram or a Pinterest. We look for your style, your brand, your everyday. And it's really important to develop that early on as a creative person. And in my generation, we didn't have that. You yeah. had a portfolio and you just, I made creative uh, collages or creative presentations to kind of express this is who I am. But now you really, you can really get to do that live and it can be um, built over years. So I think it's really important. And I tell my students when I've taught design at CCA and I, I tell my you know, people I mentor, I say, you know, the first thing I want you to focus on is your social media and respect it like it's a brand and don't put your, unless you're a chef, don't put your food and don't put your, you know, selfies and your partying. Really think about your message here. What yeah. are you trying to communicate to the world of who you are and what you want to do in your projection forward? Mm. That's one. And then, um, as you are, let's say, on, on the ideas of trying to build your brand and you're using you know, social media or some sort of communication to test the water. Hey, all of that, it starts from day one. I, when I started my brand, I didn't know how to use social media, Instagram. So I kept, kept a private Instagram handle for about six months. It took me six months to, develop, to start the company and, and take it to market. I had a corporate job at the time and, and I was so insecure because I didn't know how to hashtag. I didn't know how to add it. You know, I just didn't know anything, but I knew how to take a picture with my iPhone. Right. So I started a, this personal portfolio, if you will, of how to make product and who I was and, uh, and what the product was. And I just tested it accidentally overnight. It went live and I started getting all these phone calls and, emails saying congratulations and I said well I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing anything secretive you know I I didn't want anybody to know um and it leaked and next thing I knew that six months of photography and build that I had created was live Mm. and thankfully I had thought about if this were a real brand today even though it wasn't yet this is how I want it to be and so I was in this mindset of kind of playing fantasy reality and uh, it accidentally went live. So then I had to quickly look back and took a deep breath and say, okay, there's nothing on there that I would ever feel ashamed of. And so if um, I would just, you know, I don't know if I'm steering from your question, but I think that authenticity just starts from the beginning. You don't think about it for later you 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 are who you are as a designer. Brett used to always say, you know, Brett, love lady, uh, founder of Astro Studio, we would say, at the end of the day, just 
design something you know you would love, absolutely love and be proud of to mm. stand in front of and say, this is my best effort. And sure enough, there's going to be people in the audience, usually it's a presentation <laughs> yeah. for clients. There's going to be somebody in that room or somebody in the world that's going to feel exactly how you feel. Love it. And so I think it's more difficult to try to design for other people or design for other things. Some, at the end of the day, we're all human. If you're designing truly for the good of people, of everyday kind of goodness, yeah, then it's going to be successful. And then when you, you know, the, all this idea of marketing and demographics and age groups and marketplace and all that stuff, that's really more business. You know, mm -hmm. you're targeting your business. But at the end of the day, human qualities, the human senses, all the things that we love and need, we're all the same at the core. You know, I that's a healthy reminder, right? Like I, I think I was talking to a good friend of mine because there's a lot of good stuff in what you just said. And I don't mind at all if you veer off the question. The questions are more just guides for a great conversation, really. And that's what we're that's, that's what we're getting to, right? And I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday or the day before. And we were kind of joking, going back and forth. He, he works in retail uh, full-time, and he's also a, a designer, art director, um, focusing primarily in photography. And we were talking, and I was like, dude... I feel like every time we sit down, it was just like once a week or so over some beers or whatever, we get in, we get on these same rants, just like, you know, any, anybody probably does their good friends. And I finally joked about it. I was like, dude, like, I feel like we're saying the same shit all the time, you know, in a positive way, right? Like referencing our heroes, talking about the people we want to be like, or the people we're trying to emulate or the things we're wanted to work on all this stuff. And I had to stop and say, you know, I actually don't think this is a bad thing that we do this because it's something that, you know, he said we weren't raised to really have that reinforcement. Like we didn't go to art school. We didn't, you know, grow up in an environment that was like, hey, art is a viable career or design is a viable career path. It was, again, that doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever it is in that realm. And uh, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's powerful to hear you talk about the reinforcement of yourself. And I think it's a perfect connection back to your very first answer, right? And what you're reading right now is just, you know, the first way to kind of break down that wall of wanting to be heard and wanting to be recognized as being great. I think people have this inherent, I'm learning and maybe have learned the hard way over the years that people have this inherent knack for being able to spot bullshit or being able to spot insecurity. <laughs> And they don't, yeah. nobody says it out loud, right? Like whether you're a musician, whether you're an artist, painter, whatever, I think people inherently notice when someone's being um, not themselves or if they mm -hmm. aren't sure of who they are yet. And wh whichever mm -hmm. one it is, it doesn't matter whose fault that is or anything, but I think that's when people don't get the results they want. And that's, you know, kind of been my story or other people's stories. And I feel like the, that's my why of doing this, right? It's not just, mm -hmm. you know, to talk to the coolest people I can find or say I've talked to so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Like, this is all, that's awesome. And I really appreciate y'all's time. At the same time, this is sharing and giving back to uh, kind of that next, that next generation, if you will, while still learning on my own. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that's my brief soapbox. I do have a couple more questions. I think it's awesome. 
No, I just have a little note to say that, um, you know, the podcasts are something that are uh, are quite amazing because I think it's almost like getting a chance to have a second education or having a night education or just something that you might be doing in your everyday, but then podcasts really give you a little bit of a, a true outlet to hear other stories and learn from other people. And I just, someone came into my uh, studio the other day and they're helping me out. They're a graduate. And they said, I said, so what's your favorite kind of thing to listen to? And they said, podcasts. It's all about podcasts. And uh, I was just really impressed that, that, you know, kind of that's where people are going to kind of cut out the noise and really focus in on what they truly want to hear and listen to and learn from. So you're doing a really good thing. You're um, inspiring people and you're giving um, you're allowing people to tell personal stories, which don't often get heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I really uh, applaud you and appreciate you. And this is my first ex- podcast experience, and <laughs> I'm I'm loving it so far. <laughs> well, hey, I, I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate the kind words. I think the one point on that that I I want to make mention of because before I was a producer of this, I was an avid, 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 and still am to some degree an avid consumer of any and every podcast that is in either self-help category, design category, and you name it, I probably listened to it at least once. And I realized that, you know, <laughs> it's becoming a hot thing. And it's, it's something that it's that second education, if you will, hence sort of why I named the podcast what it is, but I feel like it can also become noise back to the, um, the life by committee approach. And I, I think that's what I was trying to take for a while. And a lot of my friends, a lot of colleagues and stuff like that, I'm like, everybody's kind of taking this life by committee of like, all right, well, one of my favorite podcasts is by a guy named Andy Frisella. And I think you find all these self-help people and Tony Robbins is another one. You These are becoming big names again, even they they already were big names. And Mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit difficult to focus. And I, I, I think it's kind of a good segue into the next question I have about, you know, remaining focused on a particular project. Um, so, I mean, obviously your portfolio is amazing. It's crazy. It's, it's detailed and it's, 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 it has a lot of variety, right? But I, I want to ask, you know, whether it's breaking down completely the process, you know, usability challenges you faced, uh, CMF strategy, all these technical terms, but if there's one or two things you can pick out of there about a technique that you've used to remain focused on a particular design challenge, because I find that it's difficult in my own work, whether it be personal or professional work, that all right, you get up from the table, you just had a good 30, 45 minutes of like heads down, no, no social media, no phone, no nothing, focused work. Then you go and you see some like cool branding in the mall or something like that. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, this van store really, I love vans, like art direction, their branding. Um, you go in the van store, you're like, damn, I need to incorporate this. And you come back to your project and you're like, ah, this doesn't really fit, but I got to make it fit. So <laughs> it's a long, long-winded question. I've been talking probably a little bit too much on that, but what would you say in terms of remaining focus on a particular project? How do you, how do you approach focus? It's something that I think we have a hard time doing these days because 
there's so much great, you know, inspiring stimulation, entertainment, and, you know, just texture and information out in the world that, uh, it, uh, it, it is hard to stay focused. And if you're really talking about a particular project or goal that you're trying to get to for, um, the class project or your own personal kind of, um, project to completion. It's, I have to say, it's okay to uh, come in and out of focus because if you are forcing it, meaning the focus, or you're forcing your creativity because of um, your guilt that says you have to have something done or you should be at a certain point, you got to let it go. And if that means going out and hanging out with friends, or um, doing everything but what you're supposed to be focused on, (laughs) then your body and your mind is telling you that that's what you need. And then at some point, often we call it last minute, but at some point, (laughs) something pulls you and all that time, whether you focused or didn't focus, it'll, it'll pin drop into this area of insight. You would have, not realize that you've actually accomplished what you needed. So I don't know if I'm saying what I'm really trying to say. Um, No, it's like that subconscious. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are feeling guilty sometimes about how, because there's just so much out there. People are doing so so many things so fast. That's how it feels at least. Yeah. Um, And so we kind of panic. Yeah. It's a, it's, an interesting question i'd love to hear a little bit more about what you have to say that kind of sparks some more yeah definitely definitely i think uh i think (laughs) a particular challenge someone might face is on like color strategy right like when they're trying to whether it's their instagram i think that's the most (laughs) i think that's the simplest example where you want to find a particular color palette to get your entire feed like representing you and you're going to pick pictures how you can go with there's obviously you might flip out the entire Pantone <laughs> repository, if you will, and like flip through and say, all right, where am I going to get my, or it can be as complex as something that, I mean, if you just look at your portfolio and it's like the Presto pack, right? Like when you're, you can literally make this product into any color or any color palette or any series of colors. If you're designing the entire line, how do you remain focused on and knowing, assuming that people know general color theory, like, what a blue represents and usually what an orange communicates and usually what a yellow communicates or whatever. How do you remain yeah. focused on, all right, this is the design challenge. I know I need to pick some colors. I can't just do black and white and call that design because that's what everybody else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think yeah. that's a side joke, but it's like when in doubt, just choose black and white and call it minimalism. And then <laughs> there it is. But I think what, what is your approach, your general mindset in choosing something yeah. as simple as a color? Yeah, no, I think color is such an important topic. It's color is very emotional. It's very psychological. Um, and it means so many things to different people. And it's actually also um, cyclical. So seasons, you know, we have seasons in the industry, whether it's product or fashion, but I really always default to the seasons of nature. And I know it sounds cliche, mm-hmm. uh, but 
it is where color theory and color strategy comes from. We are always in cycle um, and in flow with the earth and the moon and the sun and the seasons. So fall and, you know, winter, spring and summer, those are real uh, nature events. (laughs) There's a real event in life and we should really not um, try to make it more complicated than that. Mm. And so in, you know, in the way of styling your color as a brand of consistency, sure. I think there's always a, 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 you can either lean towards a warm style or a cool style. Um, and that's also based on season too, because the light much warmer in the summer and half the year than it is in the other half where it's cooler. And I think circadian cycles of people are even more on a daily basis. You can shift with that. Now there is some psychology around if you follow some Instagram tips and such, people tend to gravitate towards warm. Um, Maybe because people would rather be in the sun. I don't know. Emotionally, psychologically, it's a it's a deep hint to that yeah. warm colors and uh, white. For some reason, people appreciate white. I don't know why. <laughs> and so, um, and that's also from Instagram tips. And, and so, it's really interesting to um, look at color in all those lenses, if you will, from the lens of your screen on a nine by nine for Instagram to uh, color for a giant poster. I make massive size posters for my brand when I go on shows and um, color on products. And they are always somewhat considered as a designer. You kind of see the landscape. I see, I, I can visualize my Instagram and I can visualize my website, my product and the big brand poster all in one mental snapshot. And so I want those to constantly move in synchronicity with the season, uh, with the mood of people and where we are and the time. And that's where I, I kind of focus in on color and how to make decisions. Um, and I don't force color so that um, from a product level, I'm very sustainable and I'm considerate about not wanting to as if you can't buy strawberries all year round well you can't have red all year round it's just sometimes it's not available Mm. (laughs) i don't know if that makes any difference but sometimes um things are not available and you have to kind of go with it rather than forcing your brand to be black and white i think you have to kind of have lots of room for variety of shades (laughs) how much of an impact do you think color has on that initial brand launch i mean in my personal experience that's the moment of most anxiety where you're like all right i've got black and white i've got the general typeface cool uh when i'm introducing that first bit of color how are people gonna, color, yeah yeah how are people gonna feel about your entire brand and what story can you tell yourself to stay focused and remind yourself why you chose what you chose i think that whenever you launch something, I think it's always good to do it with a partner in mind. And that helps make more meaning to the 
the launch in itself and the color and the product and the story and the messaging. And, and I mean, in that you could, you could, you could launch a product, um, let's say at a very particular time in the year and, um, you know, to complete the story, there's some reasons why you decide to launch it in the summer, in the spring, in the fall or winter, and let that be the driver. And I, I guess I say partner because when I partner, when I first launched my product, I launched with He Ceramics, mm. and they're a very strong brand. And I had some hints because they said, well, blue is going to be really hot in the fall, 2014. And uh, that was going to be my first launch. So I thought, well, I'm going to pick blue (laughs) because that's the brand's big color for this particular season. And um, it just made it so much stronger and better. And when I understood why they chose blue, they had a whole story behind it and about the lakes in Tahoe and about particular dye that the, the indigo that was available i mean it all kind of kind of goes back to nature which yeah. is really a learning experience for me because as i then evolved my brand and grew and i had my own color choices um and i didn't have a heath to tell me what color to pick uh, although we still pick colors together every season i i create my collection to adapt to their um tile uh you know one skew each season um you know, I learned to make my own choices, but still, I think we all draw from an instinctive place of uh, nature. So take in consideration when you launch that first product, what season are you really launching it in? Because mm. red in the spring doesn't really do well for some reason. And it's, you know, people want the colors of spring at that time. Right. And uh, in the winter, people want that deep, dark, moody, uh, in generally speaking, generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about, you know, product for more of a mass or, um, yeah. Well, uh, so you, yeah. How do you source? And uh, I only got a couple more questions, but pretty sure I might've said that like 15 minutes ago, but this is keeps getting more and more interesting for me, but to be conscious at a time, I do have a couple more and, you know, how do you source, uh, let's see how to ask, how do you source this information? Let's, let's say you do recognize and you already recognize, and this is just more of an intrigue, like this isn't a right or wrong answer, but I go around and I like take a lot, a lot of pictures and then just bring them back as references for any idea that mm-hmm. I have or any particular design patterns, particularly for uh, educated guests and what I, where I'm taking this beyond like two or three months from now um sure you know do you go and pick grass out of the ground or like bring back leaves or <laughs> you know, <laughs> i don't know a crazy story or anything like that yeah you know this is um in product development and brands that are out out already they're published or like have already been um, either printed or in the media those those color choices were made four to six months back. And so what you're seeing is actually um, dated information, mm-hmm. but knowing that that was going to be published during that time. So usually magazines are, um, you know, if you're reading um, 
a September magazine. It's really, it's really geared towards October, but it was created back in, you know, probably beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. And so there's always this projection. So I think there are some great places to get forecasting, color forecasting. Um, and I would, I would be really interested in knowing if you were to collect, let's say your favorite blog or your favorite magazine and just keep the year of the season. So like, and record that and see if their palettes are the same every spring, hmm. so spring, 2017, spring, 2018, spring, 2021, and see if, if there's kind of consistency in that. And I, I, I'm, I think when you go on Pinterest, which is where a lot of people go for color yeah. uh, forecasting, you can type in spring color 2020, 21 or summer or fashion collection. It, you know, you can go a year to two years ahead and they already have those kind of best guesstimated collections. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the collection or the gallery that is presenting itself as a solution, often you'll see references of nature. And I can bet that grass is always the same Pantone in here every spring. It's not like it decides <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit more cool this year or a little bit warmer. I think grass is in spring is always the same color as it is. In, and then it shifts, of course, in the, in the fall. So I'm curious, there's a really good, interesting project, a color project that could be done here in comparison of season after season of what we put out there artificially, which is product, you know, that's all artificial representations of, of nature, but I bet nature doesn't change all that much, but there are so many hues of a fall. I mean, fall is just one of the most diverse range of colors because you're transitioning from these soft summers to these deeper, richer colors in the fall. Yeah. That's probably the widest palette range. So you can actually be really, that's why fall is always the biggest product launch out of the year. Mm-hmm. It's where consumers buy the most. It's where brands always launch. Books are always launched in that season as well. Um, and so maybe it's because there's just so much, so, so much abundance during this time between summer and fall yeah i've literally has been talking about that nonstop for the past week i mean i'm at this weird pay freight phrase phase where i'm trying to take my focus away from what i'm wearing all the time so i'm trying to develop a little bit more of a uniform aesthetic for just my closet so it's taken me going shopping more than i personally enjoy going shopping but uh yeah i definitely have been paying more and more attention to just generally Again, forecasting, even I think this is a good way to start for, you know, people who are 17, 18, 19 and, you know, are kind of tired of like keeping up with every trend, every season, even in just what they buy. I mean, just try studying and making intentional decisions about colors, fabrics and literally styles that you were choosing that can like last a little bit longer. That way you can focus more on your work. And that's just what I'm what I'm learning in my own experience. Um Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but so we we've gone so many different places, right? Like we've gone from it's so many different places, but it's all the same at the same time. It's coming back. I mean, we've gone from your answer of what you're reading right now to 
your personal story, your portfolio, advice on others' portfolios, launching a brand, all the way into color strategy, which honestly, I could talk about color forever and ever. I'm just so interested in it. Um, got so many questions and stuff. But the last question I do have just for the, for the sake of this particular episode is, you know, what would you say to that 17-year-old version of yourself? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I had to kind of remember all the different qualities I had at 17. Uh, I grew up on the beach, so I was pretty much surfing and worrying about my suntan and, uh, and hanging out with friends. And um, I think I would tell myself to keep doing what you're doing. No regrets. Do it all over again. Make more mistakes if you want to you just start collecting more stories to tell. And I'd say be nicer to your parents because man, they're there for you. And it might be really feeling like they're not, or they're disruptive or they don't get you. But um, parents, they just love you so much. I'm a parent myself and I might be really annoying or embarrassing, but I just, it comes from pure love. So uh, I think I would have maybe been nicer to my parents. I love my parents now. They're amazing. They're, you know, 80 plus. Yeah. And uh, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm changed for them. So I, I yeah, that's, that was what I, I would say to my 17 year old self. Hey. Just keep doing it. Make mistakes and learn, learn from them later because they won't make sense at the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that answer. And I, I want to you know, leave the last 30 to, you know, 90 seconds or so just to share any place that people can continue to interact with you. Obviously they would have heard this hour or so of, of our conversation, but so social media handles or any of that stuff, just to kind of check the box to make sure people can continue to support. Yeah, absolutely. I um, love to hear about how people love to share food, wine, and garden and cooking and um, just being together through uh, my Instagram at aplatsf, A-P-L-A-T-S-S. And it means a dish. I encourage you to share your dishes and how they um, are made and carried and shared with others. And you can visit our site uh, at aplatsf.com where you can find all of our collaborations with designers and chefs and various um, food purveyors and also our mission to move into a zero waste manufacturing and zero waste product development so that we can work with the planet and making um, a beautiful place continuously a beautiful place to live on in the future that's it for another episode educated guests again this is about building the tribe and this is about building this community we've got plenty more content plenty more community building to do on the way. I want to hear your feedback. I've been talking to a lot of our listenership. That's even a word, listenership. I just made it a word. And we've been getting some really, really great feedback. So thank you guys for that. We've got some cool opportunities in the works outside of just this podcast. I mentioned in the past, this is a project, not just a podcast. We got a lot more to come. You can find us, keep up with us primarily right now on Instagram. If you type in educated guests, you'll see a question mark and that's us, a black question mark. Just follow us, tune in with us. 
be sending all updates through there primarily website to come newsletter to come all that good stuff want to make sure we're speaking to where the people are and not speaking into the abyss right so thank you so much for your attentiveness for your attention whichever word is the appropriate one there and continue to tune in with us as we continue to grow specifically in atlanta you'll see some cool things coming very very soon and if you're not from here you should get here and tune in with us in person so thank you so much that's it for another week we'll talk soon peace